Welcome to the Alpha Male Coach Podcast, the only podcast that teaches men the cognitive mastery and alpha mindset that it takes to become an influential and irresistible man of confidence. Here's your host, certified life coach and international man of mystery, Kevin Ayo. What's up, my brothers? Welcome back to the Alpha Male Coach Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Ayo, and this is a very special episode for two reasons. Like, as you know, we are continuing to talk about emotions in November, but this episode is super duper special because first, if you have social anxiety, then I know this is a rough time of year for you. The holidays are coming up and with the work parties and the family gatherings and everything that goes along with being around people and groups and and all that stuff. I used to have a lot of social anxiety, which I'm going to talk about on this podcast. But second, because I get a lot of questions from men about how to approach women they don't know, right? How to do that cold approach with confidence, I'm as, a, as a confidence coach, I worked with a lot of men on that. And there is a community of coaches called pickup artists or PUAs, and they work with a lot of men around approaching with all kinds of industry specific jargon like day game and night game. And, you know, I even did a podcast on SMV, that sexual market value concept, which, you know, if you haven't listened to the podcast episode, go ahead and listen to it. I find it subjective and completely erroneous, but go ahead and listen to that. The reason why I bring up the pickup artists and dating coaches is that to them, they classify me as an inner game coach, right? Approaching women or approaching a woman is all about you. It's nothing about her. So I get a lot of questions about this. And so we're going to, I'm going to take these two concepts, these two, you know, social anxiety and approach anxiety. We're going to talk about both of them here today because they're both pretty much the same thing. But real quick, head over to iTunes and leave me a rating and review. Here's the thing, guys. iTunes has changed up their search engine. You can only search by title now, not by topic. Now, since I have alpha and male and coach in the title of my podcast, I'm doing pretty good with searches. But the more ratings and reviews I get, the higher I rank in the searches and the more people will find this content and have the same amazing life changes that you've had and will continue to have. So do your brothers a favor and go to iTunes and leave me a five-star rating and review. If you're on Spotify, if you're listening on Stitcher, there's no way for you to do this. This is just an iTunes thing. And check it out. If you've already done this, if you've already left me a review and a rating, then share this podcast with a buddy and then tell him to go leave me a rating and review. All right, brother. So I'm going to teach you about social anxiety and approach anxiety. And in the past, this was the one thing that kept me from meeting so many amazing women and making so many new friends. I used to be plagued with both social and approach anxiety. I would avoid parties completely. I would avoid gatherings. I would avoid family events. When I was dating a woman, I would feel anxiety before meeting her family or hanging out with her family during holidays. You know, I ran a gym for many years and I would host parties at the gym. But the moment the party ended and the crew decided to go out to the bars or the clubs, I would make up some excuse not to go, like I had to clean up or something. You know, same thing with meeting and dating women. Approaches were terrifying to me. And dating, you know, what came after the approach, that was only mildly better. You know, I would have been worried that I would be boring or awkward or I would have to stay longer than I wanted. I would have been worried that about what she was thinking about, about how I looked, about what I did for work. 
you know, the sound I made when I ate around her or whatever, you know, the things I talked about, I would have so many thoughts creating social and approach anxiety. I just would have a ton of anxiety. It's no big deal now, and I don't have this anxiety anymore, but I know that I'm not alone because so many of you write me emails asking for help with your thoughts and feelings and fears about social gatherings and approaching women. And it might be family holidays. It might be cocktail parties. It might be you know work events or even a low-key night at the local bar. It doesn't matter what it is. It has nothing to do with the circumstance. So many of us spend so much of our time in social settings or walking up to a person we don't know, just excruciatingly aware of ourselves and paranoid about how we're being perceived. And that's what I want to talk to you guys about today. So let's start with the basics. Social anxiety, the way I'm using it in this podcast, is anxiety you feel before, during, or after socializing. And approach anxiety is the anxiety you feel before, during, or after talking to an attractive woman, walking up to someone. Now, it could be attractive woman. It could be, you know, a friend as well, you know, a new friend, a stranger you don't know. But most of the time, the anxiety comes from a woman that you find to be attractive. And so for brevity's sake, I'm going to refer to social anxiety and approach anxiety collectively as social anxiety. They're really the same thing. One is with people. The other is with a person. But like any anxiety... It's caused by your thoughts, brother. You know this. And specifically, it's caused by your thoughts about what other people at the social event are going to think about you or what another person, what this woman is thinking about you. Even just knowing that can be edifying for some people. Social anxiety is not mysterious or inexplicable, right? It's caused by your thoughts. It's almost always caused by thoughts about what other people will think or feel about you. So you are projecting thoughts and imagining that other people will think those thoughts about you, and that creates anxiety for you. You know, when I do podcast episodes on emotions, I talk about this all the time. I talk about that humans are especially primed to worry about social rejection because we evolved in small hunter-gatherer tribes. If you were an early human, it actually was life or death if other people in the tribe liked you or didn't like you. If they wouldn't share their food with you or if they left camp while you were sleeping, you were probably going to die. The humans who survived, right? The humans who made it were mostly humans whose brains were very focused on what other people thought about them. So we're all descended from people who spend a lot of time thinking about what other people thought about them. We are mostly not descended from the people who didn't care what other people thought about them. And just because we can understand this evolutionarily and sociologically, why we're taught to think that way, it doesn't mean it's unavoidable, right? It doesn't mean that it's inherent and that we're all just plagued with this anxiety. It's still caused by our thoughts. Just because there's an evolutionary or social predisposition to certain kinds of thoughts, just because we're taught to think that way or our default is to think that way, it doesn't mean that your thoughts are unchangeable or that you're necessarily going to have to have them or that they're just going to happen to you. You get to decide what you want to think. That's cognitive mastery. And it means that, you know, we just need to understand what are these thoughts come from so that we can change them. If you've ever spent time with a toddler, you know that they don't totally grasp the concept of separation between themselves and other people. So I want to make this analogy for you. A toddler thinks that if they cover their eyes, 
You can't see them because they can't see you. So they think they're invisible. And I think that social anxiety, you know, we're so critical of ourselves and we assume everyone else is thinking about us with the same level of attention and scrutiny and negativity that we are. You know, we are always on our own minds and our brains are always cataloging our own thoughts. And so we assume that naturally that's what everybody else is thinking about also. So when a toddler is like, I can't see you, you can't see me then what we're saying is I'm thinking about myself and you must be thinking about me too. Because I'm thinking about myself, everyone else must be also. But this is the move, brother. And you really got to get this move because when you get this move, it's going to blow your mind. It's not just you that's doing that. It's everybody that's doing that. Check this out. If there's 10 of us in a room, we're all thinking about ourselves and we're assuming that all the other people in the room are thinking about us also. But we're all just thinking about ourselves. We're all thinking the same thing. Other people are thinking about themselves, not you, just like you're thinking about yourself, not them. And you may think that you are thinking about them because you're thinking, I hope they like me or what do they think about me or whatever. But that's not about them. That's about you. That's about what they might think about you. It's still about you. Would you imagine what you fear other people are thinking about you? It actually has nothing to do with them. It's your thoughts about you because, and here's the thing, the whole reason you even come up with a thought that you imagine someone else might think about is that your brain already has that thought. It's already in the list of contacts, right? It's already in your smartphone. <laughs> Check this out. Have you ever had a fight with someone and you were just astounded to hear what they thought about a situation or what they said they thought it happened, you know, what their perspective was, what they thought you meant when you said something and it was just totally bizarre and surprising because you never imagined that they would think that in a million years? That's because you're not someone who can read other people's minds. None of us can read each other's minds. The thoughts that you imagine other people are having are just your own thoughts. It's not a coincidence that the thoughts you fear other people might have about you completely match up with your own self-critical thoughts. And it's not a coincidence that you never worry about negative thinking, you know, thinking negative things about the qualities you like about yourself because you don't think those things are negative. You know, I was never worried someone would think I was too smart because I didn't think that being smart was a bad thing. You know, I always thought, you know, being smart's great. So I was never worried that somebody would judge me negatively for being intelligent. But if you're someone who believes people shouldn't seem too smart, then you would worry about whether other people think you're smart. It has nothing to do with whether either of us is really smart or not. It's just our thoughts about it. The point is that the things I like about myself, I never worried somebody else would think. And if it did occur to me, they might think, and I was like, well, that's just dumb. Like, why would they think less of me for being intelligent? But when I didn't know how to manage my own mind, all of my social anxiety, all of my approach anxiety came from my thoughts where I imagined that other people would be thinking that I was too short or too bald or too plain or too quiet because those were the negative thoughts I had about myself. And the same is true for you. Whatever negative thoughts you imagine other people might be having about you, those are just thoughts you already have about yourself. That's how your brain knows how to think about them. That's how your brain knows how to draw attention to them. People can think anything they want. Remember, guys, thoughts are not just choices. They're infinite choices. You can literally think anything you want. You know, people can think anything they want about you, but, you know, you don't sit around thinking, 
I hope they don't think I'm a lizard or I hope they don't think I'm an alien, right? You don't worry about that, even though somebody could think that. Somebody could totally think you're from another planet. Look, I'm five foot 10 inches and I never think, I hope they don't think I'm too tall because I don't think I'm too tall, right? It doesn't even occur to me to imagine that somebody might think I'm a tall person. What does occur to me, what does occur to you is to worry that they have the same negative thoughts about you that you have about you. So here's the good news. All of this means that other people are nothing to fear. It's never about what's going on in their brain, bro. Ever. Never about them. It's always about you. You have no idea what they're thinking. And even if you did, what they think means something about them, not about you. The same reason that your thoughts are totally about you and mean everything about you, other people's thoughts just mean everything about them. Look, I've said this on the podcast before, but it was many episodes ago, so I'm going to say it again. You can be the most delicious cut of steak in the world, and some people just don't eat meat. You know, one of my teachers uses the analogy with peaches, but I think you guys understand the value of a perfectly marbled, one-inch thick cut of ribeye, right? Just the most beautiful piece of steak you've ever seen in your life. And it's so true. Like, you could be that best steak in the world. And some people don't like steak. They don't eat meat. They won't eat cows. I know it sounds crazy, but it's true. Bacon is another one. I eat bacon every day, every single day day. I can't wrap my mind around people who don't eat bacon. I can't wrap my mind around vegetarians. I just said it, okay? I just don't get it. It doesn't matter how great the meat is. Some people just don't like it. Here, try this example. Think about someone that you and a friend disagree about. Now, maybe it's a woman even, right? Maybe you're out at the bar with a friend and imagine you're sitting there with this buddy of yours and you see this woman and your friend thinks this woman is boring and unattractive, right? She comes over to your table, you guys are talking to her. Your friend thinks this woman is boring and unattractive, but you think she's interesting and attractive. Or you think that she's fun and your friend is like, you know, this woman's crazy. She has issues. That woman is the same person. You know, it's not like you're seeing her one way and your friend's seeing her another way. Right? You're seeing two different faces. You're seeing the same body. He thinks she's unattractive. You think she's attractive. You know, She's demonstrating the same behavior. You think she's interesting and fun. He thinks she's boring and has issues. You know, They're just being them. She's just being herself. You and your friend have just totally different thoughts about her. So which one of you is right? Is there any way for you to truly know whether this woman is actually attractive and fun? Or is she just boring and has issues? No, bro, there is no way to know. That woman isn't truly attractive or unattractive. She's not truly fun or truly, you know, trying too hard or has issues or whatever. We're never going to get a certified letter from the universe with a verdict on that question. This person, this woman just exists and you and your friend have different thoughts about them. And whatever you think about them will seem true to you. The fact is, that woman is a circumstance. She's completely neutral. She's a cellular mass, crude matter in the form of meat, skin, you know, muscle, bone. Your thoughts about that person will have nothing to do with that person. They have to do with you and your own brain and all your own biases and preconceptions and all that. The same is true for other people's opinions of you. 
Now, in the first part of this podcast, I talked about the ways in which we just project our own thoughts and imagine other people are thinking them, even though other people are all thinking about themselves. But even if someone has an opinion of you that they think is negative, you don't actually control or cause that opinion. And that's the good news. You don't control or create other people's thoughts. Their opinions of you are actually none of your business. Like, who cares? Like just today, I had this thing happen. It's kind of funny, actually, because <laughs> it happened today right before as I was you know, getting ready to set this podcast up. And it happened very quickly in the space of you know half an hour. I got two emails from people who had applied to work with me and I'd invited them to work with me through consultation calls. And one of them was like, yeah, let's do it. You know, I thought it was going to be so much more expensive. You know, life coaching is usually way more expensive than this. And, you know, this is great. I can't wait. What a bargain. You know, it's going to be great value to work with you. And then the other guy was upset and almost angry at me for charging too much and had a lot of opinions about how terrible I was at choosing my price point. And, you know, it's the same me. It's the same amount of money. There's no difference. The thoughts about me and more honestly, their thoughts about their own ability to create the results that come from the program is what was creating those different emotions and actions. Are we ever going to know if it's truly an amazing bargain or truly a terribly overexpensive program? I mean, you know, I, I choose to think it's the former, not the latter, but, you know, we're never going to know for sure. No one can ever run a scan of me and be like, okay, we have the diagnosis. Those people's thoughts determine their experience of me, of the program, and it all comes from their thoughts about themselves. It has nothing to do with me. And the same is true for you. Someone else's thoughts about you are what create their opinion about you. It comes from their brain. It has nothing to do with you. So that's the good news. Now, here's the bad news. As I've said before, brother, the call is coming from inside the house. Your own thoughts about you are the problem. Other people are not the problem, ever at all. Other people are neutral. They're circumstances. That's why avoiding social situations doesn't fix social anxiety. That's why not approaching that woman is never going to fix your approach anxiety. It doesn't solve your problem. I mean, it'll make it less intense. You know, when you imagine going to a social situation or approaching a woman, you know, you get a lot of anxiety thinking about it. And if you decide that you don't have to go, if you, you know, get some immediate relief because your brain's basically like, oh, we're going to run straight into the lion's den. And then you say to your brain, okay, we don't really have to go into the lion's den. And then your brain says, oh, whew, well, that feels great. Now I don't feel this anxiety anymore. But if you have negative thoughts about yourself, you're going to have those negative thoughts whether you go to a party or not, whether you approach this woman or not. The reason you want to stay home is that at home, there aren't as many other people around for your brain to project your self-critical thoughts onto. When you stay home alone, you can just numb out from your thoughts the way you probably normally do to avoid being alone with them. I did a podcast on loneliness a couple weeks ago. You know, you can get on your phone and scroll around Facebook. You can watch Netflix or you can eat or drink or watch pornography or smoke marijuana or do whatever it is you do when you're alone to avoid thinking about those thoughts about yourself. When you're at a party, you don't have that escape or it doesn't have to be a party, you know, whatever social event, but you don't have that escape. 
And so those thoughts feel so present to you. They feel like they're coming upon you, like they're right on top of you. That's why it seems like it would solve your social anxiety, your approach anxiety to just not go out, to just not approach that woman. But it doesn't really solve the problem because the thoughts are still about you and they're still in your own brain. They're not coming from the party, they're not coming from the people, and they're not coming from that woman. And by the way, if you notice that you overdrink or you overeat at parties or at social events, it's usually because you're trying to numb out your social anxiety. If you want to cure your social anxiety, you have to start with your brain. Avoiding social occasions or drinking or drinking until you black out, neither of those are going to solve your problem. And that seems obvious, but it's worth stating anyway, because, you know, as a personal side note, I used to use alcohol quite a bit to numb my own social and approach anxiety. And let me tell you, it never, ever ended well. So here's what I want you to do the next time you're anxious about a social occasion, or even just, you know, do it now. Do it now. Look, if you're interested in meeting more women, because you never know when you're going to run into an attractive female, then do this exercise now. I want you to write down all the reasons you're nervous to talk to her. You know, project it ahead. Imagine the woman of your dreams standing on the street corner while you're walking your dog. She's right there in front of you. Project ahead. What are you afraid you will think or feel? And then I want you to notice if you're attributing any of those thoughts to her or to other people if you're doing a social anxiety thing, and I want you to take ownership of them. So here, check this out. If you write down, I'm just afraid that she's, you know, going to think that I'm too overweight, or that I don't dress well, or that I'm awkward, or that I'm not interesting and I'm boring, or that I'm too short. If those are your thoughts, notice that you're attributing all of those to other people. You're attributing those to her thinking. Notice how you think they will think about you, and I want you to take ownership of them. Those thoughts are not about what they will think about you. Those are your own thoughts about you. They have nothing to do with another person or other people. And that's actually great news for you, bro, because you can't control other people's brains, but you can control your own brain. You can learn to manage your own mind. And when you write down all those things you're afraid you'll feel or think, those are all your own thoughts. And now you know what your thoughts are about yourself, and now you can work on shifting them. The more you work on those thoughts and the more you come up with neutral or positive replacement thoughts to think about yourself, the more you will be able to navigate any social situation with ease. It's especially important with all those holidays parties coming up, and it's especially important if you want to meet more women or just more people in general. The problem, my brother, is always, always that we spend way too much time thinking about what other people think about us, which they never are. Other people are thinking about themselves. And we're not spending enough time thinking about what we think about ourselves, which is usually negative, and for us to be curious about, explore, so we can shift and change. Recognizing that other people aren't thinking about us, that they're only ever thinking about themselves, and learning to train your brain to think amazing things about yourself so that you can show up with the thoughts, with the emotions, and with the actions that serve you is 
cognitive mastery, and emotional ownership. And I invite you to learn these skills. I invite you to create relationships on your terms and imbue yourself with indomitable self-confidence. I invite you to take control and power back in your life so that you don't have anxiety around social events or meeting new people, even when it is the woman of your dreams. I invite you to start your agogi training today. Check out the Elevated Alpha Society Spartan Agogi program and unlock your personal greatness. Commit to spending one year of your life training your brain to work for you instead of against you and watch the magic happen. Watch it unfold in front of you. You deserve the life that you desire. Join the community of men who are building their kingdoms and intentionally living into their future. Go to thealphamalecoach.com and join the team. I look forward to working with you. And until next week, my brother, elevate your alpha. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Alpha Male Coach Podcast. If you enjoy what you've heard and want even more, Sign up for Unleash Your Alpha, your guide to shifting to the alpha mindset at thealphamalecoach.com slash unleash.